Good evening, everyone. Uh, so tonight's lesson uh, I entitled, What Does God Want Us to Do? Uh, variations of uh, God's will and other things like that. I think it's just a question all of us should ask. And so the scripture reading uh, that I picked is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I found a, uh, a story here that preachers have used over time, and I thought it was uh, kind of appropriate given the weather and everything else. Uh, there's an old story preachers tell about a man trapped on top of his house during a flood or hurricane or tsunami. Uh, the water is swiftly rising. As this man sits on the roof, fearful of being swept away by the current, he cries out to God, God, please deliver me. A few moments later, a farmer friend arrives with his boat. Hey, friend, want a ride to safety, he asks. No, replies the man at the top of his house. God is going to deliver me. An hour later, the water is up to the gutters. A voluntary rescue person comes by in his yellow raft. Hey, let's get you off there and on to safety, he yells. But the man on top of his house refuses to go. God is going to deliver me. Another hour passes, and now the water is halfway up the roof. The man on the roof is now on top of his chimney, nervously looking down at certain death and destruction. Fortunately, a Red Cross volunteer swings by in a canoe and offers to ride the roof man to safety. But he refuses. No, God is going to deliver me. A couple of hours pass by and the water sweeps over the man's house. He is carried away by the current and drowns. When he gets to heaven, he meets Jesus and says, I thought you were going to deliver me. Jesus looks down at the man and says, I sent a boat, an inflatable raft, and a canoe, but you refused each one. Most have heard this story and every time we hear it, we kind of laugh at uh, how goofy the man was. But quite often, this is uh, the story of our attempts to discern what is God's will and what does he want us to do. Too often people act as if God's will is some sort of vague and hazy thing. It's a vapor that can't be grasped. It's almost as if they want God's will, but don't think they'll ever have a shot of actually finding it. It really doesn't have to be this way. Here are two truths that should change the way we think about it. One, it is Satan who wants us to be confused, directionless, and ineffective. And two, it is God who has a plan for us, who has given us specific steps, and he wants us to see that our lives matter. So knowing those truths, how do we wrap around our, arm, our arms around things that seemingly uh, mysterious thing called God's will? God's will is revealed in God's word. How basic, but how true. The fact of the matter is this. 99% of what God wants you to do in your life is spelled out in his word. Ask yourself these questions. How much of God's word is revealed are you following now? Are you faithfully seeking him on a daily basis? Are you sharing your faith? Are you doing your best to live apart from sin? And are you seeking satisfaction in Christ instead of the world? These are just a few of the many areas where the Bible touches our lives, where God's word is revealed to us in simple, concrete, and direct language. And you and I can't escape it. Quite often, Christians try to blend our own sinful lifestyles with the teachings of Scripture and then wonder why they can't ever seem to discover God's will for their lives. But unconfessed sin keeps you from closeness to God. We actually talked about that uh, a little bit this morning in Bible class. Um, it's not that God expects us to be perfect, but are you honestly living for him, seeking him, and doing your best to obey his commandments? The Holy Scriptures are the revealed word of God. He is the authority to set the rules. We must come in total submission to God's word, recognizing that in every area, in all of our thinking, we must start with the foundation of revealed scripture. Otherwise, we could never be sure about being right about anything. How do we measure the success of our family? How do we decide if our culture is going in the right direction? Or how do we determine if our legal and education systems were correct in method and content? What criteria or measurements do we use? 
we must measure by the rule book. But often, we just argue from the wisdom of the world. Will we allow scripture to be our guide? Or must it yield that position of authority to modern scholarship, personal experience, natural reason, mystical insights, public opinion, or some other standard? How do we determine what we should do in any circumstance? If we do not use biblical authority, but instead replace it by human wisdom, and if our behavior is directed by the descriptions of social science instead of the prescriptions of God's word, then sadly, we will have returned to the situation prevailing at the time of the book of Judges. In Judges we read, in those days there was no king of Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Our modern society is certainly one that seems to be pervaded by the philosophy that everyone has a right to do what he or she wants to do, except that those who insist on biblical standards are portrayed as, a, as portrayed above are considered closed-minded or even bigoted. Even many people labeling themselves as Christians seem to operate by an opinion-oriented philosophy rather than by the light of God's word. I wanted to speak today about what the Bible says God wants us to do rather than what we think he wants us to do. This I think mentality is often driven by us not wanting to believe or follow what the Bible says because it's too hard, too difficult, or doesn't align with our own selfish interests. People often will default to the aspects of God's divinity, such as love and forgiveness, that while absolutely true, does not encourage a, does not encourage a disregard for scripture or the deliberate opposition to his teachings. So what does he want us to do? First thing is to walk with God, to walk with him. For starters, if you are interested in knowing God's plan for your life, then you must learn to walk with God. You need to develop a relationship with him. Christianity is all about relationship rather than just religion. In Proverbs 3, we hear, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And so you must cultivate your relationship with God. You must seek to know him, and not just seek to know about him. You will cultivate that relationship best by spending time in his word, taking time for prayer, and taking every opportunity you can to be involved in church and Bible studies. When you seek these disciplines in your life, God will begin the first steps to revealing his plan for you. The second thing God wants you to do is to surrender your will to God's. Many times when we say we are seeking God's will, what we are really wanting to say is, okay, God, here's what I'm planning to do. Now I need you to say it's okay, all right? Not really effective way to find out his true will, but instead it's reflecting our own. Before God will begin, begin to reveal his will to you, you must be committed to doing whatever it is that he desires for you to do. God will likely be slow to show you his plan if he knows you will likely not do that plan anyway. In Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what it is that, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus was willing to die for us, so shouldn't we be willing to live for him? When we surrender to him, that is when he really begins to direct our steps. Third, obey what you already know to be God's will. Many people seem to want to know what God's plan is for their lives, but they overlook the fact that 98% of his will is already delineated carefully through his word. God is very clear about many, many aspects of his will. For instance, it is clearly his plan that we abstain from sexual immorality, 1 Thessalonians, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. There are many other examples like this that are blatant and clear throughout the Bible. If we do not obey the things that God has shown us clearly to be his will, why would we think he would reveal any further information regarding his plan for our lives? 
Obedience to God is an important first step. Four, we must pay attention to how God has wired you. God has created you to fulfill a specific role in this world. There is no one else who can achieve completely what God has purposely created you to do. The Apostle Peter gave us this admonition. In 1 Peter 4, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has gifted every one of us to perform a special mission for which we alone were created. So when you seek to discover God's will for your life, pay attention to how he has gifted, it, how he has gifted you. His plan for you will always be direct, directly related to the gifts that he has bestowed upon you. The great news is that you will automatically be good at whatever it is that God has called you to do. Number five, listen to your heart. In addition to listening to the Spirit, I recommend listening to your heart. To understand the point, consider the following passage from Psalms 37. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. When you are close to him, he actually begins to shape your desires, that your desire the things that he has already called you to do. Six, take a look at your own circumstances. God often clearly demonstrates his plan for our lives by lining up circumstances in obvious ways. And he also shows us that his will is not for us to do it in the same way. It is not his will for you to take a job that is not offered to you. If you are five foot six and weigh 125 pounds, it is not likely that God has created you to play professional football. If we pay close enough attention, we'll likely discover that God is pretty good at opening and closing doors for us. He even did that for the Apostle Paul and his group in Acts. From Acts 16, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they then tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So even Paul had to face closed doors in his ministry. God often closes doors in our lives to show us what he clearly does not want us to do. And he also opens doors at times to show us what he does want us to do. Of course, this does not mean that every open door is definitely God's plan, but it does help to give you some basic direction. Although I don't have all the answers for my own life, and certainly wouldn't claim to have them for yours, I do know where to turn for guidance, for direction, and for support. God has laid out a plan for all of us and provided that roadmap. If you need help better understanding the Word of God, or if there's any other way that we can help, please come forward this evening.